Oscar Poker. My cheeks were reflecting the longest wavelength. My fan was folded up and grazing my forehead. And I kept touching my Kansas Hotel. It's uh, 6.09 uh, p.m. my time, 9 a.m. Sasha's time, 12.09 uh, Phil's time. And we're about to go, I guess we might as well start uh, because we, we took a week off. We took a weekend off last uh, seven days ago. So what happened, uh, to summarize, Phil, uh, over the weekend, what did you think was startling or unusual or, or, or predictable or whatever? Yeah, well, we had, uh, you know, no surprise here that Brave opened number one. Um, the official number just came in from Disney. It's 66.7. Um, so to put that into historical context in, in terms of Disney Pixar, it's the fifth highest unadjusted opening and the eighth highest when adjusting for inflation. So it's you know mm-hmm. kind of middle of the road for, for what they're capable of doing. Um, so you have that. And then Abraham Lincoln just flat-out bombed, and, and so did uh, Seeking a Friend. So... You know, two two huge disappointments there, but I think everybody saw Abraham Lincoln coming. Nobody was really enthusiastic about that, not even fanboys. So, uh, what do you suspect was what do you suspect was the key uh, thing? I mean, it's um, it looks like a CG hoot and a you know outrageous. Uh, is it was it because nobody bought or wanted to accept the, the idea of, of the, you know, the, the Lincoln thing? Or was that it's, you know, what is this? What? They didn't understand, they didn't get the premise. I mean, it's just very, um, too, too, yeah. it's too much of a, a fanboy nerd kind of concept. You know what I mean? It's the yeah. mainstream people don't want to go see that. So mm-hmm. it just flopped. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. So, so Sasha was trumpeting the triumph of Brave uh, in her column. Uh, was it today or yesterday? And uh, basically, it's another strong, uh, uh, tough, uh, willful uh, female lead, uh, if following a certain tradition over the last few months. Um, uh, do you think that was uh, a factor or the key factor in why so many people went? Because this is really happening, that people are responding to strong female characters. What, what mm. happened? Do you think, well, I don't know about that, but I don't know if that's why people came to the movies. But I know that, no, because they did a huge marketing blitz. I mean, you couldn't go just walk five feet without seeing some sort of brave tie-in. Like, I think they even did like a stint on The Bachelorette. On ABC, they had like an archery contest tied in with Brave and had everybody in kilts. They flew a bunch of fanboys out there for a junket. And, um, you know, there was just a lot of, anytime you turned around, there was something about Brave. So I think that their marketing worked to try to, and you could tell they were nervous about the opening. And, and as Phil's saying, that 
they were right that it wasn't going to be a big Pixar opener. And yet, the, uh, the and once again, the box office has no relation to reviews or to quality. But the almost universal response that I was reading it was that um, Brave does not cut the mustard as a you know Pixar film. Certainly, compared to the to the big ones of the past, uh, people thought it was it was kind of rote and not that uh, not that clever, not that uh, you know it, it mm-hmm. just didn't seem to have the juice that the other ones had. True, right. I mean that's what I was reading. Right. No, that's what people said, but I totally disagree with that. I think that's what I'm finding lately, and this is horrible because I keep getting on one Twitter fight after another, but, and you know what's weird is the crazier I get, the more followers I get. I don't understand. (laughs) But um, here's the thing, though. Uh, I think that what's happening with, with, from my perspective, is the creativity is lacking not in the films, but in the reviewers themselves. They're the ones who seem to lack imagination. And the ability mm-hmm. to think outside the box. They, they're they very much in the box. It's got to be like Pixar movie, you know. And to me, <laughs> to me it doesn't. No, they were talking about uh, quality of writing. about Right, uh, I know. Uh, well, about, of course. About crackling and kind of surprising you and delighting you. And they, they felt this is very much kind of a rote thing. It didn't have uh, that, that crackling energy and surprise element. Well, and, then uh, they had to have hired Andrew Stanton to write the thing if that's what they wanted. I mean, it's it's... It's not a Pixar movie the way that the all those Pixar guys who got together for that lunch and made up their Pixar movies. It's not one of those because <clears throat> that's a limited selection. I don't know if Pixar is ever going to top those. It's never going to top Wally. It's never going to top Ratatouille. You know, I mean, maybe they will someday if they get Andrew Stanton or Brad Bird to write something great. Um, right. But they conceived all of those ideas in one lunch, even Wally. Mm. So, but their their stuff was like, you know, of course, male-centric, and um, these are stories for little boys. These are about, basically, films about childhood, about being lonely, about, you know, fitting right in with the most popular um, tick things that sell at the box office. So, Brave is different than that. There, it's very, it's great that it's called Brave, because it is brave of Pixar to put out something like this. It's definitely more along the lines of a Miyazaki movie than it is a Pixar movie because it's weird. It's imaginative. It's it's outside the box. It's not traditional. It has a, a very strong mother figure who defends her child, which uh, you can tell me one right. other than The Incredibles, which does mm-hmm. have a mother in that. I've never mm-hmm. seen a Disney movie. Usually they're dead. The mothers are just dead, and it's the fathers raising kids. And uh, mm-hmm. I loved seeing that. I mean, it's, it was right. partly, obviously, I'm sitting next to my 14-year-old daughter, and I'm crying, and she's crying, and it's sort of like, oh, my God. I mean, <laughs> it sort of felt like a movie just for us. But mm-hmm. So I will acknowledge that bias. I will acknowledge it. But nonetheless, I thought it was beautiful. I mean, yes, okay, so I'm not going to put I put it right behind Toy, Toy Story 3 if I had to rank. I mean, Toy Story 2, not 3, if I had to rank my okay. Pixar movies. And I don't think it's better than Wally or Ratatouille, but I'm not, I think that's comparing mm-hmm. apples and oranges. I really do. Mm-hmm. Okay. So um, uh, I just wanted to ask and just drop off just for one sec, but this just, this was on my mind about four minutes ago before you guys called. Yeah, we're both going to tell you right again this year, Sasha. Have you looked at the website? <laughs> I love a non sequitur. <laughs> um, yes, I actually bought my hotel tickets based on their website, which I was mad okay. about. And I had to read down to see that the dates were different. 
but that's fine. Yeah, be, because they still have the September 11th, uh, the September 2nd through 5th, 2011, right at the very top of the site, which I ignored, of course. But then you go down and you see TFF 39, August 29th, September 3rd, 2012. Mm-hmm, right, you look, right. Look on the map, uh, look on the calendar, and that is uh, uh, Wednesday, the 29th, through, and that's Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and then concluding Monday the 3rd. That's right. a six-day festival. That's oh. like two days more than it has been in the past. Yikes. I guess I'm going to have to go. You know, I called my hotel, and they, they very nicely just changed it, my dates for me, but um, but I didn't realize it was that many days. I'll have to double no, check. No, I, I, I'm thinking if they made a mistake at the top, maybe they made another mistake, but they've got two mistakes, if this is true. I've just never – it's always been you get there Thursday, and then Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and then Monday, and then and over and out. That's what I think this, it is. No, because the hotel guys checked me out that way, and I think that's what um, that's what it okay. is. I think it's just a mistake on the website. Okay. But I know All what right. a nightmare, right? Better be careful right. about how you make. Although you're just staying with um, with uh, Glenn, so you don't have to worry too much. Yeah. You just have a nice yeah. place to stay anyway. But, so, uh, was, uh, is the are the accommodations uh, expensive? You don't have to give me a figure. <laughs> yeah, you know that. You were <laughs> chiding me about it, Jeff. Um, yes, I, I very stupidly, as usual, because I have something <clears throat> wrong with my brain, especially when it comes to travel arrangements, as Jeff knows, I um, <laughs> some, <laughs> somehow <laughs> thought it was only $90 a night. Well, it turns out it's $200 a night. Okay. So. All right. All right. <laughs> but that's okay. It's just a few okay. nights, so whatever, you know. I, I just, I'm challenged in that department, I'm sorry to say. Uh, looking forward to this coming weekend, I, I thought the big uh, excitement for me was, um, I mean, it's not, there's not a consensus of reviews, but uh, uh, Variety gave it a really uh, good review. Did you read it? Uh, for Magic Mike, uh, the Soderbergh film that opens on Friday. Oh, God, I didn't even look at the reviews for Magic Mike. I, I heard that it had a uh, premiere last night, though, right? Yeah. Um, Peter DeBruge reviewed it, and I put a little thing up, uh, just copying a portion of his review and saying that, you know, uh, and it's, uh, you know, he said it's going to be a real, um, you know, it could be a real word-of-mouth uh, surprise, big hit, you know. It's obviously with, with women of a certain age, but it's also yeah. uh, just, it's, it's really good. Do you hear anything, Bill? You, have you, do you have any uh, expectations in terms of your, you know, uh, uh, your data that you always have? Yeah, I mean, that's we've been saying for quite a while now that it's it's got, you know, breakout potential. I mean, it's it's a it's just a perfect storm of Channing Tatum, you know, being on the rise right now. I mean, 2012 is his year. There, there's no way you could say that it's not. I mean, the vow was huge. That turned him into kind of a. It made him more of a heartthrob than he already was. And then, you know, 21 Jump Street showed that he had a, a sense of humor, and that that made him even bigger. And now this is the movie that he's going to, you know, cash in on the fact that he's a sex symbol. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of close, I think. I mean, I wasn't alive when this happened, but everything I've read about it, you know, the idea that women went to see Dirty Dancing, you know, over and over again. Phil wasn't alive when Dirty Dancing was out. Well, I, well no, I, what, what year did that come? What year was that? You I mean, must I have been a alive, baby. Come on. You had... Five years. <laughs> You have at least been born already. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I mean, it's... Um, what year was that? Do you guys know? I don't know. I know it was in high school. Yeah. Or there about... 87, possibly? Okay, so there. I was like 
two years old. Yeah, and I was long since out of high school. Yeah. (laughs) Sorry, guys. Sorry. Yeah. Well, Sasha is the the person amongst the three who is uh, constantly tracking uh, all all, uh, films that that touch the female experience Mm -hmm. and that are rousing interest in women. You can't ignore this. No, it's going to be huge. It's going to be huge. No, trust me. It's going to be huge. It's it's the movie that every woman I know is going to want to go see now. Uh, When you guys first brought it up to me, I thought, Nah, but after I saw the trailers and stuff, forget it. It's gonna. It's. I mean, even I want to see it at this point. So Soderbergh's <laughs> biggest virtual film since the Ocean's film, possibly. It's gonna be huge, like Phil said. It's not just gonna be women, though. It's gonna be all the Soderbergh fanboys, and you know he's a critic's <laughs> darling too. So I think that. Um, yeah, I think guys are gonna want to go see it, I, and maybe they'll be a little embarrassed, but. <laughs> <laughs> I know every woman I know is going to want to go, just in sort of a tongue-in-cheek kind of way, you know. Well, yeah, I mean, I don't, I I don't know if I, I agree cannot. with the guy thing. Um, I think this is more along the lines of Sex in the City. It's, oh, okay. you know, you know, it's just, you know, girls get a big group together and, and they go see it and they don't even think of asking, you know, they're... Their, um, but it's much other. much better than Sex of the City is what everybody is what I'm well, getting. Well, no, I mean I'm not uh, I'm not arguing that. I'm just saying in terms of the the dynamic, the group dynamic that, that goes into something like this. It's yeah, you know, guys. I mean, I mean, I, it's just from you know my own circle of friends and my one of my closest friends from college. She's organizing you know like a group of everybody and they're going and and it's this joke that the guys are going to stay home. You know, it's it's almost it's clo- <laughs> it's almost like a bachelorette kind of thing. It's like you're you're not even allowed to go. You can't even go see this. I don't know if I'm going to go see it. I don't know. I mean, I'm uh, I'm curious about it because it's Soderbergh. I want to know why he wanted to make this, but I don't know if I really want to sit through it. Yeah. Well, as he expla- as he explained to Renny Rodriguez in that Miami Herald review that I excerpted, uh, he kind of divested himself of making important films. He had his heart broken with the reception to Che, and he's uh, basically just trying to make movies that he has fun making. And um, and uh, according to what uh, I read, uh, uh, you know, che- Channing Tatum has a producer department. They've been trying to get this thing going themselves based upon uh, Tatum's own experience when he was, what, I think 19 or something, 19 or 20 in Florida. Um, oh, by the way, David Rooney, he's also up at Rotten Tomatoes. Arguably the raunchiest, funniest, and most enjoyably non-judgmental American movie about selling sex since Boogie Nights. It's obvious, if considerably darker, precursor. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking is I think that it's the old bait and switch. I think people are being sold... The, on this mm-hmm. idea that it's it's going to be a Sex in the City kind of movie, and that's going to bring women in. But I think once you see the movie, this is just my guess. I don't. I really don't think Soderbergh, other than that awful movie he made with Karina, whatever you know that awful fight movie. Um, he's he's definitely somebody that always tries to make a really good movie, you know. So I think that even within the confines of it being a male stripper movie, there's going to be a good story. Those really uh, people that. listening to what Sasha just said should be reminded or at least be aware that that awful fight movie is called uh, Haywire, <laughs> and it's an excellent uh, action film. It's one of it's the terrible. best kick-ass f- film of that genre that I've seen in ages, and I was delighted with it. It was and like please 25% consider- really good, but the rest of it was not good. It was unbelievable. She, They totally made it an easy easy fight scenes for her, and, and they... they I, be- I believe that she was decking those guys genuinely. I did not have the slightest yeah, but they, doubt. Yeah, but she could deck them because they picked guys who were smaller than her. 
In real Margaret life, Benson. any real killer worth his salt would have sent a guy out with a huge fucking AK-47 and just blown her head off, first of all. Second of all, she would have had to fight people who were much bigger than her because no one's going to want to go into a fight to lose. So why would you send in your weakest guys? <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I just really, uh, okay. There's so no I just point had a logic problem it's, it's, with it. That's all. Yeah. All right, uh, Phil. I just, so- I just got our review, by the way. Um, I'm going to post it after this call. We're giving it four stars. So. Wow. Apparently this is, yeah. Is that, J- is that James Rocky? No, it's Mark Olson wrote it. Um, okay. Yeah, I'd like, I'd like to hear Rocky's take on it, but. Um, yeah, so it seems like it'll be a critical darling, too. So, so. what it is, Phil and, and Jeff, what I think happens now, you have to fool the bloggers. You have to get people to think to have very low expectations, and then they will leave your movie alone. And that's what I think is going to happen with this. It's going to surprise everyone because people just thought yeah. it was like a stripper movie, but I'll bet you they get in there and, and they see that it's really, really good. It's sort well, of okay. that and I don't, I think Soderbergh's kind of. You know, he's untouchable in a lot of ways. A lot of critics just don't want to yeah. rip him because they have so much respect for him and, and how he challenges expectations and, you know, always always surprises and always, no matter what, he's interesting. I mean, that's no true enough. Does, you know, yeah. so, yeah. They do uh, leave him alone. He's a little like Spielberg in that way. He's sort of, you know, but I bet you that even still, the movie's pretty good. I, I hope it's a lot better than Haywire. That's all I can say. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, there you go. That could be your pull quote, Sasha. It's much better than Haywire. So, so how can uh, how can two people that I respect and like with good judgment be feel so differently about Haywire than I do? I just don't understand. I, I, oh, no, I know I that I'm not, not on Sasha's side. I liked Haywire for the most part. Yeah. I, I'm okay. not quite as over the moon right. as you are, but I enjoyed it. I mean, I know right. he was just having a good time with it. He wanted to make a you know toss away action flick, and he did that, and it was it was fine. Yeah. I mean. Yeah. Yeah, but it's it's like that was that was a hot dog to you know, and in a lot of what Soderbergh makes, you know, it's it's usually a steak, you know, mm-hmm. right? Contagion's closer right. to a steak, you know, traffic. Um, well, yeah. to me, the the most enjoyable films are when people who are really good and gifted as he is, when they're working below their level and they're just you know kind of doing a genre thing. But they're always much better than the people who are working at their level at because people that say they you know they're that are um, into genre film that's what they like making it's always better when the people who are higher up you know like the ridley scotts whatever when they lower themselves somewhat to go down then it's delightful i, I yeah. have a great time so. well yeah i mean someone like soderbergh can't help himself he you know he takes what's inherently a kind of poppy you know um premise that they could just be a escapist and he's obviously i mean based on these earlier reviews turned it into something that's you know a little bit deeper a little little more personality to it so yeah, right that's one thing i like about him is he's sorry there's the cats again <laughs> he's not afraid to fail the cat again okay <laughs> you know he's not afraid to fail he's that's what one thing i really admire about him he just gets out there and he makes a fool of himself and i think too many directors get caught up in this idea that they have to live up to the legacy of their past and it traps them somebody like ridley scott is a really good example of that but um but Soderbergh doesn't. He just gets out there and he throws it on the wall and sees what sticks. He doesn't. He's not limiting himself in any way. He doesn't believe the publicity about himself. He's not trying to be the Soderbergh of old. You know, that's what I love about his work. I'm just always 
interested to see what he's doing because of that, you know, and I think it keeps right. him fresh. Like, look at the guy made made Che. He made Solaris. He made Haywire, and now he's made Magic Mike. I mean, what other director can you say that about? Yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's pretty cool. I still don't know if he's ever gotten better than his very first movie, though, The uh, Sex, Lies, and Videotape, which I just watched the other day, and it's still such a good movie. God. You know, and he wrote and directed that. And when he has total control like that, a lot of times I think he works, he's better uh, mm. than when he has to work with someone else's script. And yeah. I think Traffic is his best. I, he'll, he'll never beat Traffic. Yeah. I think that's probably, you know, that, that was the best film of the decade. It's a pretty great movie, yeah. 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 Um, well, so, Phil, uh, you know, Avengers is what, a couple of points off of uh, 600 million right now? It's almost 600. Um, let me check. Last time I checked boxoffice.com, it was like 2 yeah, million. It's, yeah, it's not about a million, million and a half away from. from a million so. and a half away from 600 million. That, I don't think, uh, maybe this week it'll happen, but definitely over the weekend. Right. Um, yeah. They're pulling it from a lot of theaters, and if they kept it, I think it would it would it would continue to make more money because every kid that I know wants to see the Avengers again. Hmm. So. I thought it was dying down big time, mostly because of you know Dark Knight and, and even to a lesser extent Spider Man hysteria. Yeah. But you know, it still had a great weekend. I mean, it still made seven million dollars. You know, because it's getting repeat viewers. Like my daughter's seen it twice. My daughter, fourteen year old girl, has seen it twice and wants to see uh. it again. And I can't tell you the last time she felt that way about a movie. And in fact, I don't know. Uh, go, go ahead. Go ahead. But but a lot of that is to do with the guy that plays Loki. Like she's she's got a big old crush on him. Ah, uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> and he's apparently the reason a lot of girls are going back and seeing that movie. Really? Wow. That's... Isn't that funny? You can never predict these things, but yeah. So. Hey, we didn't uh, talk about, uh, we were talking about June and Magic Mike, but we didn't get into something that has been reviewed really well, and I, being the expatriate here, haven't seen either, which is called People Like Us, which is doing pretty well, um, according to Tom McCarthy, according to uh, others that have reviewed it, uh, you know, genuine, uh, uh, emotional, grounded uh, uh, family drama. Uh, really? Any... any because huh? I'm seeing a 55 score on Metacritic, which is pretty darn bad. But let me see. Oh, well, it's only it's, with four it's, critics. It's, 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 so. look, look at Rotten Tomatoes uh, yeah, before the video by, kicks in. It's, it's higher. Right, I don't go by Rotten Tomatoes because Rotten Tomatoes is just good review, bad review. It doesn't really give you a good indication of what people are really saying. You know, It has to be pretty bad to get a, a Rotten score. If it's mixed, it usually gets a positive so. I understand that Metacritic is the more uh, in-depth and more focused, uh, uh, you know, critic uh, site. But still, um, you know, um, you know, Todd McCarthy said it was very cranked up, played like a like a heavy drama, almost like an action film. But it, it, it is, uh, it does seep in. It has, seems to have respect out there. Yeah, I, says, I can't imagine why it would be fifty-five percent. Well, based on what Variety gave it a bad review, and um, it's Justin Chang. Pete Hammond mm-hmm. gave it a pretty good review, but it's still, I think it's still too early to say. I wish I had gone to see it, you know, I really want to see that movie. Um, the one that's really, that I'm interested to hear what Phil has to say about is um, Beasts of the Southern Wild, which is getting incredibly good reviews, and uh, is Fox Searchlight, and um, is probably your, your strongest Oscar contender so far this year. 
And uh, what do you what do you think about that, Phil? How's that going to do? Well, I mean, it's a tough. So I haven't seen it myself. Um, I missed the screening when it was in New York, and I'm kind of bummed about that. But um, you know, it's it helps to have Fox Searchlight behind it. I mean, I can't you know praise them enough. They know how to nurture you know these kind of niche films and and. Beast of the Southern Wild needs nurturing, and you know it's it's interesting to put it out in the summer. I don't know if I wow is somebody typing. Oh, Not I'm me. sorry, it's me and my Chinese drumstick. So I have uh, Chinese chopsticks, and I use them as drumsticks. And I didn't mean to make any noise. Sorry. <laughs> oh, good. I got a, a Chinese drum. I, did, I didn't know that was coming out all that vividly. So okay, yeah, sorry. No, it's all good. But yeah, I don't know if I get uh, opening it in the summer. I don't. I don't know if I understand the approach there. Um, I mean, it's counter-programming, yeah, but it seems like it could sync without a trace as a result, and I, I don't know that that's smart. I mean, I could, I think the best release date would probably be September or October, right before the huge, you know, rush of Oscar contenders comes out. Um, get in there right before then and, yeah. and try to stay fresh. But yeah, what I, I like about the- why people would be willing to see something that is being heralded by many good people as being something you really ought to see and it'll probably be in the best picture and then it, it, it does it will do not as well because people i just don't believe that people just tune out of, of good movies no matter what month or season it is yeah i have a feeling that word of mouth is going to work in this movie's favor and 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 what i think what phil's saying though jeff is that the oscar buzz is what will get people to the box office on that but I also think that I've, ha- I've heard a few people say to me that are totally outside the circle of Oscar just say, wow, did you see that movie, Beasts of the Southern Wild? You know, mm-hmm. what an incredible movie that is. So I have a feeling that I could be wrong. I'm not the box office person, but Phil's always right. It, Every time I challenge Phil, him on something, he's always right. It opens. <laughs> it, opens it, it doesn't open wide, but it expands on July 6th. Okay. Yeah, I mean, then that'll depend what it does. I think it's this. I want to say Wednesday is when it opens, uh, mm-hmm. limited. Um, so yeah, I mean, it'll depend what it does in New York and LA. Um, I mean, you have to be cautious too because right now, uh, to Rome with Love is kind of hogging up the the art house attention. Um, so you know, there's uh, that, that's going to hurt it. I think a little bit um, in terms of you know what that crowd wants to go see. But yeah, I mean, I. Uh, from what I heard, it's great, and I and I hope it finds an audience. And you know, if anybody can help it do that, it's it's Fox Searchlight. I just, like I said, I'm second guessing releasing it in the summer. I don't I don't necessarily get that, but I'm happy to have, you know, something other than blockbusters opening in the summer. So you know, I'll more t- power yeah. to it. I'll tell you one thing yeah. I like about it opening in the summer is that it bypasses all the blog nonsense that happens at film festivals and all the Oscar talk that's going to make it stale by the time it hits. I mean, if it opens before Telluride, before Toronto, it doesn't even have to do that. It can only it only has to partly do those festivals. Mm-hmm. Everybody will have the opportunity to see it. You know how usually it's we're talking about movies that nobody can see, like The Descendants, but um, and everybody's you know putting all their energy into The Descendants. Well, The Descendants isn't even hitting theaters, right? So at least this will be out in the movies, and as the buzz generates, people will be able to buy a ticket and go see it. Yeah, we haven't uh, spoken. There, there, um, go ahead. Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, there is a disconnect between you know a film playing at festivals and then not opening for a while. I think there's 
there's kind of a, a lost opportunity there. I mean, yeah. the, the one that jumps out at me is Amore. I mean, I'm dying to see that. They're not screening it in New York for a while. It's not opening for a while. It's like it gets all this great buzz. Everybody's raving yeah. about it. And then you just kind of throw your hands in the air and say, well, I have to wait four more months, five more months for that. Yeah, and um, by it, the time... Something it, has to change. Yeah. It runs through all the festivals. It just gets tired. You know, it, yeah. it's tired. It can't sustain that kind of energy. That's what happened with uh, the other Sony Classics movie um, that Jeff and I loved, which was called, you know, Jeff, Another Year. You know, Oh, that, yeah. The buzz yeah. on that was pretty hot, but by the time it got to theaters, nobody wanted to go see it, you know? Because uh, there's such a small group of people that that follow these small, you know, these smaller independent awards-worthy films, you know, and and they're going to be all exhausted by the time Amor, because Amor now has to go through Telluride, it has to right. go through Toronto, you know, and finally it'll clatter into theaters, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But it's not the kind of movie. It's not like Beast of the Southern Wild, which is a must-see. You know, Amor. Mm-hmm. I'm surprised that Phil says it's a must-see, but to me, it's because it's such a sad, melancholy downer of a film. Whereas Beasts of the Southern Wild is kind of the opposite, you know, and mm-hmm. it's 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 like something you've never seen before, Beasts. So I think that something that you've ne- never seen before. But let's remember what Tom and O'Neill and I agree on that it's very oozy and very icky. Right, but nonetheless, spiritually speaking. Yeah, but hey, yeah. listen, Flannery O'Connor was writing about stuff like that. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, this is nothing new. This is the grotesque. It's beautiful in its own weird way, but it's. It's, it's it goes beyond what we're used to now. The smooth out, you know. It's a rich and fascinating and very well imagined, richly imagined uh, world. So, it, it it is absolutely a must see. Mm-hmm. Uh, question: We haven't mentioned Ted, the teddy bear movie. Oh God, that's going to be opening wide. <laughs> What's going to happen? How's there? that going to do, Phil? Uh, no. Yeah, I mean that's it's going to be neck and neck. I think between that and um, Magic Mike. I mean, I'm probably giving the edge to to Magic Mike right now. Um, in terms of the opening weekend. But, you know, Seth MacFarlane has this just loyal, you know, rabid fan base who, you know, they've seen, you know, episodes of Family Guy a million times. Um, I don't know. You grow out, I grew out of a sense of humor. I mean, you know, it's, it's funny when you're like 18, 19, and, and now it's just like ADD, you know, raunch crap. Um, <laughs> so, I mean, we'll, we'll see. It, it's going to be big, though. I mean, because especially what, what you have is- to keep in mind that, that um, that's my boy bombing um, leaves the market open for an R-rated comedy, and R-rated comedies can do extremely well if if everything clicks. I mean, look at you know Hangover and, and everything like that. This is this is going after the Hangover crowd. Wait, so. that's my boy bombed. Oh yeah, <sighs> ugly. You mean yeah. with Adam Sandler and and what's his name? It bombed. Andy Samberg. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's just. <laughs> I think people are still feeling burned by Jack and Jill. <laughs> you know, they're like, and it, you know, to to talk about the Adam Sandler audience and say that you burn them when their expectations and their standards are already as low as you can get, and you say, you say that yeah. they're feeling like they've been, you know, hurt by by Jack and Jill. That's that's pretty bad. Oh um, no! Yeah. So that's like Tom Cruise and Adam Sandler, who used to like rule the box office. Both had like major bombs, and yeah, Tom Hanks and Julia Roberts. It's really weird, isn't it? Well, yeah, I mean, the star system isn't nearly as reliable as it once was. I mean, a lot of people say it's dead. I, I don't agree with that. But, yeah, I mean, to, to just think that, okay, Tom Cruise is in this and Adam Sandler is in this, therefore it's going to make money. You can't, you can't make that 
assumption anymore. I mean, people wow. are people are way too jaded when it comes to a premise. Um, they're they're more analytical now than they ever were. I mean, it's you know if they if if the premise doesn't jump at them, they're not just going to show up because the stars in it. Um, God, you know, who would have thought that that's my boy would have bombed? That's yeah. so shocking yeah. to me. I guess I haven't been paying attention, but I'm really stunned. I, it seems like that's a no-brainer to make money. Well, that, I mean, last weekend was just where, yeah, it's, I mean, it's a shame we weren't on last week. But, yeah, it's, it was just a very bizarre weekend because Rock of Ages and That's My Boy, we both, or everybody thought that those could, you know, do pretty mm-hmm. well. And they could break out and, and be hits. And then it, it's a summer of haves and have-nots, really. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's the way it breaks down. It's like you have these uh, a big hit one week. Then something flops the next weekend, and then, you know, Brave comes along, and then you have a big hit again. And then, you know, hopefully this weekend with, with Ted and, and Magic Mike, at least you have two solid mid-level hits. I don't um, know about Ted now, because I would have thought that, you know, Ted sort of hits that same crowd. Um, so uh-huh. who, what what movie took the box office instead of That's My Boy? What was the big earner? Was it... Uh, it was just Madagascar State number one, you know, oh. the week. That's embarrassing. I mean, Rock of Ages and That's My Boy can't top, you know, Madagascar in its second weekend. Wow. You know, it's that's like, a trip. That's bad. <laughs> yeah. With that kind of, you know, star power and, and budget and everything like that. I mean, I just, I don't know what happened. Did you see Rock of Ages, Sasha? Mm-mm. No, I didn't. Yeah. I didn't. I, I should. I mean, I think it's kind of a movie that I would probably like just because I don't mind the camp. But what turned me off from it was the whole dances with the, dancing with the stars angle of it, the the woman. And yeah. it just kind of turned me off. Like if it had just been. Uh, pure, can I ask? Sorry, go ahead. I was going to ask uh, what. Phil projects at this time for Amazing Spider-Man. There has been some buzz that I've been hearing from uh, from uh, uh, you know columnists and critics that it's not as good as they would like. I, my first my first hint of what it was like was from a critic that I know from the southern region. He thought it was really good. He was really delighted with it. You know, it's directed by the guy who did. Um, um, uh, what's um, uh, I just lost the title. I know, me you and know, you, Jeff, Mark, neither Mark of us Webb. have a memory. 500 Days of Summer. Yeah, 500 Days of Summer. Yeah. And, that's, and he thought it had a really nice uh, vibe and nice quality, but uh, I've, I've heard that it's, there's disappointment uh, out there. Do you hear anything, Phil, or what the... What do you yeah, think? I mean, what do you we're, sense? we're being cautious about it. I mean, some some other sites are saying that it could do, you know, like 300 million. We're, we're at like 230 cum right now. Um, mm-hmm. So we're, you know, we're. It's. I don't think it's going to be anywhere close to what the the Sam Raimi Spider Mans did. Right. Um, because what what happens with these reboots? You have kind of a there's a learning curve that kicks in where, first of all, people are kind of confused why they're rebooting it. So there's this sense of okay, you know, let me. Isn't wait. that a huge thing? Isn't that a huge white elephant? They're re, they're redoing a, an origin story for a film that had an origin story. How how, how long ago was the first Spider Man? The first one was early 2000s, I want to say. Yeah, it was like 2001. And then the last one was in five years ago, I think now. It was in 2007. So, yeah, I mean, people are just very confused by that. It just seems way too soon. And, you know, it's hard to get the the bad taste of Spider-Man 3 to Mm -hmm. to do away with that. I mean, even Christopher Nolan, his first Batman movie, which is, you know, obviously a great comparison here. That only sure. opened to $50 million because mm-hmm. people still felt burned by, you know, the Joel Schumacher camp fest. And they, they mm-hmm. wanted to hear first that, okay, this is a good movie before they, they show up again. So that's what Spider-Man has to go through. It has to go through a, a rite of passage all over again. And 
if word of mouth is strong enough, it'll it'll rebound and, and you'll have a new new franchise. But mm-hmm. it's a it's a tough hill to climb, and and you got to be cautious, I think. And and right. it, it doesn't help that it's only two weeks before um, Dark Knight Rises, because right. I mean, Dark Knight Rises right now is just completely overshadowing everything. Yeah, it doesn't feel All like there's any yeah. room for Spider Man, does it? Well, I mean, it'll have a, you know, it'll have some time by itself, but you have to think that the whole, you know, the way people are thinking about spending their money in terms of going to see blockbusters, it's it's a lot of, you know, well, I'm, I'm definitely going to see Dark Knight Rises. Um, am I going to go see Spider-Man? You know, it's that kind of thing. And do I want to pay for, for the, you know, 3D version of Spider-Man two weeks before I'm going to see, you know, Dark Knight Rises and IMAX? Um, that, that decision comes into play. Um, yeah, for sure. So we'll see. It'll be it's 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 one of the most unpredictable movies of the summer. Let wow. me put it that way. It's it's far from a, a, a sure thing in terms of what a movie like that needs to do to in order to be called a success. Hmm. So Sasha, you haven't seen it. You're not going to see it before. No, I'll it probably have to see it. I, I like to do the Phil thing of seeing it in the actual movies. Plus, I if I get a nice juicy invite, I won't turn it down. But um, but I'm All not right. going to chase after it. Uh, my daughter loves uh, Andrew Garfield, which is funny because her name happens to be Emma Stone. So, but <laughs> but so I probably will have to see it. But I don't think it ever got better. It'll ever get better than Spider Man Two. I think that's probably the best one. Um, the the Spider Man. How about Oliver Stone's Savages, which opens on July sixth? That's Ugh, pretty much. It just looks um, awful. Seems to be. The, it looks awful. To me, it does. I hope it's not. I hope it's good. But oh. What, tell me what, what explain that you you have a bad feeling because I don't know much about it but the trailers make it the way they're selling it is Blake Lively choosing between two boys and some violence you know it just doesn't look exciting to me in any way like there's no there's nothing about the plot that seems interesting if, if I was a guy I'd want to go see it to see her but I can't think of any reason why could, it's two drug dealers in California, and they both have a thing for her. I don't know if there's actually something a like that. Yeah. At one time, but they, they there's a you know, and and uh, she Blake Lively is is kidnapped, I think, by the Mexican cartel, and that's kind of the the, the key. Uh, and the, and the bad guys are played by Benicio del Toro and Damian Bashir. And Selma Hayek is in it also, and Uma Thurman. It sounds like a pretty lively film yeah, to me. Yeah, Blake Lively. It does. It sounds, um, uh, the you know, part of it, the, the Demi and Bashir and, and Benicio part of it sounds more interesting to me than how they're selling it. They're, they're just all on Blake right now, you know. Mm-hmm. And um, as much as I love her, I've told you years ago that I thought she was going to be a big star, and I was totally right about that. It's like the one thing I've been right about. But... Um, mm-hmm. So I don't mind her. It's just the, the movie itself doesn't look all that interesting to me. But I'm still going to see it because it's Oliver Stone. You know, you have to go see an Oliver Stone movie. Sure. You know? Yeah, I don't I don't know if it fits in the summer. I mean, they Universal, I remember they bumped it to the summer after they saw it and they made this big fuss about this has to be, you know, a summer movie. But it, it just doesn't seem mm-hmm. to be catching on, really. I mean, it's... Yeah, I, I don't know what's what's missing in the, in the marketing or, or what, but it's not clicking. Um mm. Yeah, what, so, what, I mean, ex- what do you foresee? What's going to happen? What What is the interest levels? Um, well, we're, we're saying a, a fourteen million dollar opening weekend, which is you know for the well, summer that's disastrous. Um, and then we we might even go down from there because I mean some of the the tracking I'm hearing um, is is even lower than that. 
um, wow. like low low single digits opening. Um, Yikes! Yeah. So I mean, it's I don't I don't quite buy that yet. I I don't think it's going to do that bad, but you know, it's it's certainly not. MPA rating R. Oh yeah, for strong, brutal, and grisly violence. It says mm-hmm. some graphic sexuality, nudity, drug use, and language throughout. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, it seems pretty same old, same old to me. But who knows? You know, I'll keep an open mind since it is one of the greatest American directors who ever lived. So. Uh, well, I hope it's not. It, you know, my, my the thing that worries me is it might be more um, you, more like U turn. Than you know any any of his best movies, right? That's what kind of has me concerned because I get the same vibe from it. Um, but maybe so. we're wrong, you know. Maybe we're wrong. Yeah. There's always that chance, you know. And you look at the rest of July, and I, I really kind of see a soft month, except for Dark Knight Rises. That's that's the only thing that really pops out as the thing that people are really going to be cranked up about. Um, well, I mean, every, everything's kind of smallish. Are they just getting out of the way of, of Dark Knight? They don't want to be in the middle of July. Is that it? Pretty much. I mean, it's yeah, it's it's that's not an unfair thing to say. I mean, who who wants to open, a, you know, anywhere remotely close to a movie like that? I mean, not only is the opening weekend going to be huge, but it's you know, it's it's Christopher Nolan. It's a, a, a step above the usual superhero movie, and it's gonna it's gonna be leggy. I mean, it's gonna hold on for weeks to come, and, and well into August, it's gonna play. So. Yeah, I mean, stay away from it. You know, it's um, mm. yeah. that's the, the Born Legacy moved uh, out of the way. You know, and that was even mm. in August. You know, that's that was like two weekends after Dark Knight, and they still were afraid of it. You know, it's it's not a it's a force to be reckoned with. Absolutely, because sure. think about Dark Knight itself. How many people went to see that over and over again in IMAX? stoned out of their minds you know <laughs> it, was like, it was such an experience and you know this is going to be the same you know he yeah. the guy is just a great director there's just no two ways about it and you know he doesn't do 3d so it's just going to be beautiful imax um you know incredible visual effects and it's the end of the series so how much do you think it's going to do total we're, like it's we're gonna, saying right now 530 million cube so and then just under avengers yeah, um, but I mean, I think we're we're being a little bit cautious on the cube. Let me put it that way. I I could see it doing, you know, five fifty, six hundred. If it if it's a really great movie and and it delivers on, you know, the hype. Because um, I mean, right now, right now, its biggest enemy is the hype. Really, I mean, right. it's you know, people are so excited for it and and their expectations are so high right. after the Dark Knight that it's got a lot to live up to. It really does, and and that can be. That can be a dangerous thing, mm-hmm. you know. You know, even subpar Christopher Nolan is pretty good, though. I mean, I don't think he's ever really made a bad movie. But um, has he? Has he ever made a bad movie? I mean, they're all pretty good. Uh, no, he's never. Is prestige. I would, prestige me, is me, I was about to say that. Yeah. That's yeah. the only one that could be kind of considered a bad movie, and a lot of people love it. Uh, so I, I trust him. I just um, I agree with you that the hype, but the way the, the internet is now, the weird backlash and the mob mentality and stuff—that's the only thing I worry about. Like, is it going to be cool yet to hate him the way it's cool now to hate Aaron Sorkin? Like, is it going to be cool to say Christopher Nolan's not all that? And will the worm turn? And if it does, then it's you know, it'll have an effect. It really does. That weird Twitter effect—it's real. Well, yeah, I mean, there already is a, a current of 
you know people who are, are Christopher Nolan bashers. Um, they they bashes you know techniques as an action director. I mean, if you if you do a Google search, you'll find plenty of mm. people that aren't on his side. But I think you know mainstream audiences just love him because they you know they go to these movies and they're entertained by the action and and they also you know they appreciate the intelligence of it. I mean, he's he's one of those rare directors that doesn't have to choose between escapism and you know intelligence right. he pulls both of them off and um i think that's a, a huge accomplishment and and it's a sign that people aren't as, moviegoers aren't as stupid as, as they're made out to be you know they 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 like intelligent blockbusters as otherwise inception wouldn't have performed nearly as well as it did right and, um, and avengers avengers is a really funny smart script mm, you know yeah i disagree but okay. oh so i'm the <laughs> only yeah, avengers on, Sasha, you gotta yeah. give the yeah, best you're, picture you're, of the year you a break. <laughs> i didn't say best picture i just said it was a good movie i mean i said best picture before i saw it and then i saw it and now i'm sort of on the fence about it i think if it beats titanic somehow it could but i think there Depending on how The Dark Knight does and how the other Oscar movies do, I don't think it's totally outside the realm of possibility that someone's going to pick that movie for, for Best Picture. You know, I don't know. Who knows? I'm keeping an open mind. I don't think it's a great movie, but it was entertaining, you know, in a way that movies don't entertain anymore. They come with so much baggage, you know. But that was just, it gives you 100%. You just sit back and enjoy the ride. You don't have to do any work, <laughs> you know, and, and it's funny and smart and, you know, moves along and it's thrilling to watch, you know. I don't know. I mean, call me crazy, but to me, that was, it is one of the best movies I've seen this year, just in terms of that. <laughs> Sorry. I'm not saying it's like Beasts of the Southern Wild. I'm not saying it's it's that kind of transformative cinematic experience at all. I'm just saying there's a part of me, the the kid in me that used to go to the the multiplex you know and and you know buck rogers in the 21st century was a good movie and caddyshack and you know you come in and it you're not so when you're that age you're not so focused on is it gonna get good reviews do the bloggers like it you know how much money is it gonna make you just i'm sitting down i'm watching this movie and that's how i felt watching the avengers i just it, it threw me back to that to those days when movies were just pure enjoyment for me you know and not and not you know so much up in up in the intellectual realm but i do i do think there are just two ways of looking at movies there's that there's the entertaining side and then there's the yeah the more intellectual side well and, you know and i'd agree with you but i think i mean not to beat a dead horse here but i think avengers even fails on the popcorn side of things to me i just felt like bombarded by it and it was a you know tra- it just felt like too much of a ripoff of transformers so any movie that tries to be michael bay is in my book you, you know a pass. I, I can let's, stand let's, it. let's suppose that there's an emperor of Hollywood, a person who says what goes and what doesn't. If that emperor was to say to the people who made the Avengers, guys, you're going to do all the action scenes you want, but you can't have one thing. You can't have one superhero hit another one and have the, the one that got hit be slammed back into a tree or in or through a building they can't be thrown backwards and blast through some object because they've been hit so hard that movie was so full of that simple you know dynamic well, that i thought this is so boring this is not interesting yeah, to see know, guys 
The thing is, is you guys see all those movies. I haven't seen a single one of the superhero movies that are in that movie. I've never seen an Iron Man movie. I've never seen Thor. I never saw uh, Captain America. I didn't see any of them, okay? So I didn't even see... I I made it through half of Transformers, and I've never gone back. So to me, I'm much more of a virgin in that way, so maybe that's why I liked it more. Maybe if I had seen all those movies, I'd just be like, oh, God, more of the same. But I have to say, Phil, Mr. BoxOffice.com, you have to give it credit (laughs) that it's a $600 million movie. That doesn't happen very often. It's not just because of the bang-bang. It's not just because of the silly action. There's a reason why that movie's doing so well, and it's it's because there is a part of it that is a good movie. It's just mm-hmm. a simple fact, you know. Movies they they put out movies like that all the time every year. They don't get close to its six hundred million. Uh, that's true. Yeah, I, just I mean, got it, a... it definitely connected in some way, but I mean, I just I'm out of touch with it. I don't. I don't uh, get why news... people can. I have a news flash from Telluride. Uh oh. I. <laughs> Because I, I wrote those guys saying, what's for the dates? We have a six-day festival. This is new. Is that true? <laughs> and they said, in our news update for the site just recently, the dates for 2013 and 2012 seem to have merged our bad. Oh. These are the true dates now reflected. Oh, God. The 39th, the one that we're going to, 39th. will be August 31st through September 3rd. That's Friday through Monday, as usual. In 2013, we are adding a day for a special 40th celebration. The dates will be August 29th through September 2nd. So sorry for the temporary confusion, but we're we're fixing it. Okay, good to know. That's good to know. It was confusing, but I think those are the dates that I have arranged for my hideously expensive hotel room, so... All right. <laughs> Boy, I'll tell you, I've, I've never been out of the country this long in my life. When are you coming back? <laughs> um, and, and here it is, almost two full months of being over here. And I'm, uh, I can't wait to get back in the USA and just be on home ground. It's just, you know, I, I loved everything about this, but I just, you know, I'm feeling homesick. So no. I'm coming, I'm back uh, in New York on Thursday. And going to see my mom on Friday, and then Saturday I come back to Los Angeles. Okay. I will be in Yosemite starting on Thursday, and I won't be back until the 3rd. So um, there's a tiny chance I could do the podcast from Yosemite, but I don't know if that's even necessary since, you know, I probably won't have much to say. But if you guys Well, have- Phil, you, you and I can do that. We'll figure it out, and we'll do it together. How about that? If Sasha wants to take a day off. And we'll add... Uh, you know, we'll get Tom O'Neill or somebody in. How about that? Okay. Yeah, we can figure something out. Sure. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. Just uh, keep me posted on how you want to process it and upload it and all that. So. Okay. Yeah. So you, you're, you're, Yosemite is very much like um, like Lauterbrunnen, I, I, th- I felt. I mean, there's some wonderful – the vistas of, there are just magnificent. I, I felt so – I, you know, it's like a drug to be in 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 the middle of all that scenic beauty. It just keeps hitting you and hitting you, and you just feel so blissed out after uh, after just being there a few hours. And mm. you really don't want to leave. It's really it's magnificent. And that's what Yosemite is. That's one of the closest things that Yosemite has to where I was just uh, visiting. So I really I I, I got to go back there sometime. I haven't been there since the kids were young. So yeah, it's beautiful. And, and one thing that I do have is they have a Wi-Fi lounge, so I will be working part of the time up there. So if you need to email me, you can. Okay. But they, funnily enough, they're wired, so <laughs> you can get you can get Wi-Fi. Uh, no, it's beautiful. We go every year. It's crowded. It's like Disneyland, but it's still just a knockout every time you go. It's so pretty up there. 
I mean, I can't see the Aaron Sorkin. You've seen it, right, Sasha? So, yeah. Phil, you guys have seen it. What did you, what did you think of the first uh, episode? Phil, what did you think? No, I haven't watched it yet. I have to. Oh, I yeah. don't have HBO. I have to go to a friend's house. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's fantastic. I mean, it's great. You know, I, I got a little bit of a warning that something happens on episode four that I'm not going to like so much. But, um, mm-hmm. but from my perspective, I, f- I feel like society needs Aaron Sorkin. No matter what the cynical among us think, you know, where he's preachy yeah. and he's this and he's that, and he's speechifying and he's, he's, uh, what's the word people keep using? Not pompous, but sanctimonious. He is all those things. But nonetheless, the stuff needs to be said. And it's like taking a shower when you listen to him. Mm-hmm. Because yeah. not only is he so crystal clear with the things he says, and they're so wonderfully profound, but uh, the way he says them. You know, the rat a tat tat of the dialogue. It's like, you know, watching an old Cary Grant movie, you know. <laughs> but mm-hmm. I can see why people don't like it. That's fine. I hope that they keep it going because I happen to like it. <clears throat> and a lot of people Well journalists are saying it's not real journalism. It's it's speechifying, yeah. it's um it's 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 hitting these notes and these tones that he's so superb at delivering, but it doesn't feel like the real thing. That seems right. to be the gist of it. Because what they the think it's about are. them, but it's not about them. The, the, the medium that he's working in is, is just a tool to get these messages out into the collective. Right. And that's I'm surprised that they're not mentioning that, but that's the reason. The only one who really seemed to get it was David Carr, who wrote a really beautiful piece you should read in the New York Times about the newsroom. It's, it's the only one that really deals with what the newsroom is really about. Everybody else is saying, that's not what the newsroom is about. That's mm-hmm. not how news reporters act. Well, they're kind of missing the point. You know, it's not really supposed right. to be about that. It's more about everything that's wrong with our culture right now i you know so some people say well fuck you aaron sorkin don't you tell me what's wrong with our culture who are you to say but no Mm -hmm. one else is saying those things and everybody thinks it so it's nice to see someone in the mainstream Mm -hmm. but you know jeff you and i are such bleeding hearts that uh maybe (laughs) to us we get more out of it and people Mm -hmm. might who were just looking for a good tv show i don't know if they find it there it was a little smarmy to me like i didn't like the score it was a little too. Right. It was a little too um, American president. American mm-hmm. president okay. is sort of what the newsroom's like. So if you liked mm-hmm. that sh- movie, which is like half schmaltz, half really great dialogue, mm-hmm. um, but if you can't stand the, the newsroom, is going to have that same level of schmaltz. And I always thought right. that was Rob Reiner. I didn't think it was Aaron Sorkin, but now that I see the newsroom, I realize nope, that's Aaron Sorkin. He's a big old sap. Mm-hmm. It's just that David Fincher toned him down a lot for the social network. Right. So, so I'm being taken out to dinner uh, by a, a distributor friend here in Munich, and he's going to show me the um, uh, the Munich Olympic Stadium, which is uh, historic. Oh, nice. And, uh, and as you know, I went to Dachau a few days ago, mm. uh, and that was uh, something I'll never forget. Yeah, I uh, bet, Jeff. Uh, I bet. Yikes. It's um, it's uh, just amazing that it um, it's so close to this town. It was it's really like a, a, a large park adjacent to this town where people live and work. I'm just just astonishing that you think that they would put something as ghastly and horrific as that in some far out location where nobody would see. But it's amazing to me that it, that it's so close to a city like this. And um, yeah. I think they and live it with was, it. They live with it every day. You know, they do. They Germans. They the guilt is still there. You know, they live with that, and it's good that they have a monument to to remember how easy it was to slip into that sort of thinking. 
there's not the, but the, this is a this is a really cool, happy city, and there's and it's full of beautiful people and wonderful, beautiful big trees, and and just the vibe is just lovely. You know, it's one of the nicest places I've I've visited, um, big city wise, in a long time. Wow. I really could uh, I could see coming back here, I mean, and think about Munich. You think about well, party town, lots of action, joint is jumping. There's so much that is quiet and almost silent as you walk through this town after dark. It's just that there's little tiny pockets of a cafe here or there, mm. but it's not noisy. It's very, very quiet and beautiful and leafy, and it's just a, it's a really, really nice place. Wow, I'd love to visit. I'd love to visit there. Sounds beautiful. Yeah. yeah. Okay, we we spent it. We're we're, yep. we're down for the count, but um. <laughs> well, have a safe trip. If you know, have a safe trip back, and um, Thank talk you. to you soon. And I'll and I'll enjoy Magic Mike at ten thirty tomorrow morning. I can't wait for that. <laughs> well, now I have to see it. I'm going to go too. So and uh, you All see right. Spider Man Wednesday at eight. They will not let me see Hope Springs. It's too early. I said, no worries, don't worry. You know, I'll see that in time. That's the sexual therapy. Uh, older couples trying to get the juices going. You know, right. Meryl Streep and Tommy Lee Jones. And uh, boy, I don't know. I, I, I saw the. Phil, you saw that. What, what was your reaction to the footage that we saw at CinemaCon? Of Hope Springs? Yeah. Yeah, I, that's going to be a big hit for sure. You think? I mean, okay. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because, I mean, Meryl Streep, they, you know, Meryl Streep fans come out in droves for mm-hmm. anything that of hers that looks really good like that. And it's perfect for that audience who hasn't been served much this summer by anything other than, you know, Best Exotic Marigold Hotel. So, mm-hmm. yeah, big, big numbers for that. Okay. All right, guys. Great talking. Right. I'm sorry for the technical issues, but that no uh, problem. That happens. All right, All right, you guys. Have good. a, have Thanks, a nice weekend. All right. Bye. Okay. Bye. You've been listening to episode 83 of Oscar Poker with Jeffrey Wells from HollywoodElsewhere.com, Phil Contrino from BoxOffice.com, and Sasha Stone from AwardsDaily.com. You can follow us on Twitter at Oscar Podcast and the bumper music was Anything We Want by Fiona Apple and I Was Young When I Left Home by Bob Dylan thanks for listening to my home to my home to my home and I never wrote a letter to my home It was just the other day I was drinking on my pay When I met an old friend I used to know Said your mother's dead and gone Baby sister's all gone wrong And your daddy needs you home right away I had a shirt on my back Not a penny on my name But I can't go home This way This way Line, line, line And I can't go home This way
If you miss the train I'm on Count the days I'm gone We'll hear that whistle blow a hundred miles A hundred miles, honey, baby Lord, Lord, Lord And you'll hear that whistle blow a hundred miles I'm playing on a track More will come and whip me back On them trestles down by old Jim McKay's When I pay the debt I owe To the commissary store I will pawn my watch and chain and go home Go home Lord, Lord, Lord And we pawn the watch and chain and go home Used to tell me more sometimes When I see them riding blinds Gonna make me a home out in the wind In the wind Loud in the wind Make me a home out in the wind I don't like it in the wind I go back home again But I can't go home This way This way Lord, Lord, Lord And I can't go home This way Seven oh oh eight six, take one.